0: Welcome to the Go GoBundance podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> they're too one-dimensional, like they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut, <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people in hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At Go Abundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better better multidimensionally in six simple categories we call these our pillars number 1 horizontal income number 2 age defying health number 3 bucket list adventures number 4 genuine contribution number 5 authentic relationships and number 6 extreme accountability so speaking of number 6 let's dig into this week's interview with the gobro and you can tell me is he walking and talk or is he a false prophet?
1: <laughs> Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet. You haven't hit that million dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you. Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast, founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course. And every week, you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, Our second objective is proximity. You're going to have proximity to like-minded people, just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life. And they're going to hold you accountable to whatever you say you want to do, or better yet, whoever you say you want to be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective, we're going to be watching. We want to make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to gobundance.com Emerge. Put in coupon code Emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website. And I hope to see all of you in Emerge. Hello and welcome to the GoBundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we bring in Go GoBundance brother, realtor, investor, father, husband, coming to us from South Carolina, Kevin Mills. Kevin, welcome, brother.
2: Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to, to hop on this call and deliver some value.
1: Yeah. And I know you will. I know you will for sure. Uh, let's dive into you, your story, your background. You're a pretty young abundance brother i mean compared to most uh most of the guys or maybe compared to me but you're a pretty young guy yeah You've had a lot of success early on give us your story where
2: are you from south carolina kind of take us through uh your story through today yeah, so I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. I was born into a family that was really lower middle class. My mom was a teacher. My dad worked a cash register at a gas station for my entire life. Had a gambling problem, so definitely didn't come up with uh, with much financial literacy kind of growing up. So grew up there. I went to the University of South Carolina, where I met the love of my life and my wife. She got, uh, she got pregnant our senior year of college, so I had to rush through college super fast and completely kind of change my lifestyle there. She said, I have to move to Myrtle Beach because that's where my family's from, so I was forced into moving to Myrtle Beach to be a dad, and, and uh, really life just took off from there. So my initial job, I got into Car sales. So, got a four year degree just to sell cars for about six months. And, um, I eventually got tired of that and was tired of people kind of rejecting my product. I wanted to be in an industry where they had to reject me. So, uh, so I got into real estate. I felt like uh, I could sell myself really well. So, what industry could I get in that was sales oriented where I kind of control my own income? And, and that was in real estate. I kind of jumped from the start to the end really fast there. But, uh, but since then, I, I've been in real estate and, and, and been surrounded by some really wealthy individuals in the real estate world that have been just great mentors for me. So it's helped me progress. Yeah. I just turned 30 years old. So new, new to that 30 club. I think I was at the champions event in Tahoe and I was the youngest one in there by, by a bit, but, uh, but I love being, I love being the youngest one in our room and, and, uh, and, and just get a ton of value out of being at the event. So stoked to be here. And, and that's just kind of the the fast, fast version of where I'm at now. I love it. Talk a little bit about, so
1: you went to college. Was that unique for you in your family, given the background that you mentioned your parents uh, had? Was that a, or were you a first generation kind of college kid?
2: Yeah. So my brother is a pastor. So he went to college and then he did his master's degree and he did his doctorate degree. So, so for him, I, I did have somebody who went to college before me, but yeah, other than my mother, I was the second, second generation to go to college and, and skip that part of the story pretty fast. But, but I would say that college years were really integral. i met a girl and was introduced to her family, and she came from Charlotte, North Carolina, and had some really big old family money. And, uh, and I was able to have some really big financial conversations with her dad and with her family that, that really changed my mindset just in regards to where I want to be in my future. I went to college as a jazz trumpet major which I know sounds ridiculous. Um, I haven't played trumpet since I was 18 years old. I, I dropped it. I, uh, I was there for a month. I had a scholarship to, just, to, just on a, a jazz trumpet scholarship. And somebody came in and, and played that was way better than I thought I would ever be at playing music. And so that night I met with her and she's like, you should really talk to my dad about this and my family. So I did. And they convinced me to be a doctor. Like in that one day. So I dropped my major the next day and started in biology, failed that entire semester because I, I couldn't do any science courses. I was I was horrible at school. I was I was a D plus C minus. I was one of those that just really got pushed through the whole middle school, high school college and uh, and eventually ended up getting my degree in business but uh, but yeah I think that uh, college was integral for me I had some really good conversations with a lot of good people I met some really good business people but that relationship I had with uh, that girlfriend before I, I met my wife um, her family really shaped me and, and really gave me some great ideas of, of kind of wealth and how to build it interesting what about your
1: father what lessons? Did you learn from him either through observation or maybe things that he told you? I don't know. I don't know what that relationship looks like today or did then, but yeah. I'm kind of curious. You mentioned gambler, you know, sort of worked in a, in a, I call it a blue collar type of environment. What, what did you extract from that and how is that manifested in your life today, if at all?
2: Yeah. So my dad was an extremely hard worker. So he was one that woke up at 4 a.m. He went to his job at 5 a.m. He worked 5 a.m. to 3 p.m. He came home for three hours, took a nap, and then went back to work from six o'clock to midnight. And then we lived in Asheville, which isn't far from Cherokee, North Carolina. So then he'd spend that three or four hours driving to Cherokee and gambling. So uh, so he was a hard worker. He worked seven days a week. So I definitely get my work ethic, I believe, just from wa- watching him go to work every single day. But, uh, But I realized from a really early age, he wasn't working smart because he kept putting in all these hours and was constantly working, but we went without a lot as a kid. So so we definitely had some difficult conversations growing up through that. he he had a pretty bad gambling problem. Every time he made money, he'd go out and gamble it away. And sometimes he'd win, sometimes he'd lose. So there's a roller coaster there. It got to the point where at some point they had like the illegal poker machines, like in the gas stations that he was in. And my dad almost faced like a pretty serious jail sentence um, because he got caught with these illegal poker machines in the back that the customers were coming in and playing. But but um but yeah me and my dad are super close now but, uh, but I would say that I, did, I didn't have any kind of financial literacy toward him. I'd say that we were, we were pretty distant from the age of maybe 10 to, to 17 or 18, just because he wasn't really around that much. I kind of had some hate against him for that. And, and I knew that my mother and him had some financial stress and he was gambling. So I got to that age where, where I, really, uh, I really resented him somewhat. And, and I remember having some really tough financial conversations with him just saying, well, if you wouldn't do this and we'd be able to afford blank, whatever that would be. And I was 10, 11, 12 years old saying that. So we definitely had our our hard times kind of come from it. But now we're super close. My mom and my dad moved down here as soon as we had our first child, me and my wife, Kaylee. So uh, they're grandparents that just watch our kids every day. So I'm, I'm super lucky and super, super blessed on that end. But I definitely learned a lot of lessons growing up from kind of watching his mistakes.
1: No, no kidding. That's awesome, too, that they're, they get to play grandma and grandpa now.
2: Yeah, you talked yeah.
1: about car sales, and then uh, yeah. you, know, you didn't want people rejecting the product, you wanted them rejecting you. It's just kind of a quick question, then I have a follow-up, but was real yeah. estate the obvious choice, or did you have some other options you were considering other than real estate sales to fit that need of, I want people rejecting me?
2: Yeah, so real estate was the obvious choice for me because I, I just looked at other sales type jobs. So I, I never wanted to be in sales. I wanted to, my goal was to graduate college, move to Charlotte, and end up buying a business there and running a business. That was my overall goal. And then out of nowhere, I got. I got moved to Myrtle beach. I had to become a dad at 20 years old, 21 years old. I just turned 21 when we had our first daughter and I had to provide for my family. So I looked up on indeed.com kind of what's hiring right now. And the only thing I kept seeing were car sales, car sales, car sales. So I just went in and did it. And uh, my first month I didn't do that well. And every month after that, I broke the store record for number of cars sold. I did, I did a really good job, but I was pounding pavement every day. I was, I was there at the asphalt, just waiting for people to drive up and, and, trying to trying to get them to buy a car, but I heard enough of, hey, Kevin, we loved you, but we just preferred a different car that I realized I needed to get into something where if they love me, they were going to go with me. And it wasn't based on a particular product I was selling. And uh, so when I started doing that research, real estate was the only thing that that kind of came up. So I just Googled best real estate company in the area. I had one meeting with the owner of the company and I joined up from there. I mean, it was a pretty spontaneous move on, on that behalf, but it's really worked out super well for me. I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. And it's let me really be around a lot of people who are who are really wealthy based or off of owning real estate, off of selling real estate and just other ventures that they're kind of in. So I get to learn from my, my tight group of friends here are in the ages of 50 to 70 years old. So, I mean, I'm, I'm the youngest by yeah. 20, 25 years on that end. So I'm able to really, really learn from their wisdom and, and, and kind of where they've been at the last 20 years of their lives.
1: A lot of wisdom in you for even looking for that. Most guys at your age wouldn't be thinking about, you know, hanging out with 50, 60, 70 year old guys. So that's incredible. You talked about people loved you, but didn't want to buy that particular car. So one question I have is why did you still you mentioned you, know, you were there pounding the pavement out in front, but is there anything else that you attribute your record setting month over month sort of car sales to? Is there anything else that you, you developed or learned or thought was effective as a salesman of a product, like you mentioned, not necessarily of you, uh, that allowed you to sell cars at a high level like that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I had a general manager there who, I mean, he was one that you'd bring a, a customer over and he'd be rubbing on their leg and, and really got in rapport like instantly with these people. It's, it's like he's been best friends with them forever. And he taught me the power of asking questions. It's a big one saying telling isn't, or sell, telling isn't selling. Asking questions is how you sell. It's how you're the most effective salesman. So I learned how to pre-qualify people immediately. I learned how to find out their needs and wants and, and really what they were looking for and then ask the question, okay, if I can do this, can you? will you move forward? If, if you were able to get this call for this price, would you be able to move forward right now? Or what's preventing you from selling? Or what have, have you heard enough to make a decision? Are you ready to go? So there was a lot of questions that I learned from him and being in that sales industry that translated to the real estate side. So uh, so I, I credit him a lot, just the general manager of that dealership while I was there with, with helping me out and, and, and really honing in my sales skills. That way, when I got started in real estate, it was an easy decision for me that I only work with sellers in my business. I, I don't work with any buyers. I, I don't show any houses. So all of, my, all of my business is me meeting with a seller at their property or us having a phone call or us doing a Zoom interview and me just going through the same exact steps I was going through when somebody was selling a car. But this time it's to get the job to represent them and get their property sold.
3: All right, go bros. We have our 2022 couples trip of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about Italy. Here is the epic itinerary. Day one. This is April first, 2022. We're going to arrive in Florence and take a private transfer to the city center. There, we're going to go on a guided walking tour of Florence. We're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings. Where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant. Day two. After breakfast, we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient Florentine artisanal tradition. Then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop. In the afternoon, challenge yourself to a hands-on Tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner. Day 3, April 3rd, we're hitting the countryside. In the company of your local art historian guide, visit a galleria commissioned in 1560. Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Tiziano, Michelangelo, all have hung out in this joint here. After lunch, at your leisure, travel to the Tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the inner restaurant. Day four. A full-day excursion to Siena. Today, soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center. See Palazzo Pubblico, the colorful marble-clad cathedral, and Piazza del Campo, one of Italy's most beautiful squares. Then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards, blanketing the surrounding landscape. Day 5. We are going to start the day by driving Fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous Tuscan countrysides. And we're going to land in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is going to serve us wine and and an incredible meal. Day 6. Transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day seven. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring Basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum, the massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators with gladiators Prepared for battle next be thrilled by specially arranged visit inside formerly the temple of Antonius here enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian day eight we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa after lunch at an enchanting local restaurant we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022.
1: tribe confounds the right tribe
3: compounds get your free copy of the runaway bestseller tribe of millionaires a twenty dollar value at tribe of millionaires.com free just pay
1: the shipping that's tribe of millionaires.com Interesting. So it, we, per, as a quick aside for those listening, we broadcast this interview live in our Go Abundance Ascend group. This is for aspiring millionaires. You can check that out, goabundance.com slash ascend. And there's a question in the group that we, we try to extract and bring to the guest that I also wanted to ask. And it, you started to touch on it a little bit, but wh- yeah. what is it about that? Uh, uh, like, What are you doing in real estate? Because it's a hot market right now. So for you to, to be yeah. only with sellers, there's limited supply. You've been very yeah. successful in your market. Talk a little bit more, if you would, about what's made you successful. Get really tactical, if you could. Yeah, well, yeah. How have you gotten into that? Yeah. You you watch basketball at all? I do sometimes. I haven't. Tim Duncan.
2: You ever hear the name Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan was a superstar, man. But all he really did was catch a ball, turn around, and hit, hit the ball off the backboard and score. It was a real simple move. He wasn't fancy. He, he wasn't flashy. And, and that's 100% me in the real estate game. So all I do every single day is make a ton of phone calls. So I'm on the phones every... I get into the office every day at 530 in the morning. Um, I pull my list for the day of people that I'm going to call. and I'm on the phones from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday. When I'm not on the phones, then I'm going out on appointments, and 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 right now I'm, I'm searching for deals. I'm 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 investing a lot in in some other side business businesses and in real estate. But uh, when I first got started, I just cold called. I called expireds. I called withdrawns for sell by owners. All the different pillars, homeowners associations. But the integral part of that is I added them all to a database and then I dripped on that database once a month and then it became every two weeks. Now it's every week I'm dripping on that database some good information. I'm doing voicemail blasts of the database. I'm doing text mail, text blasts of the database. So I've now built a database that has over 16,000 people in our market that's constantly hearing from me every day. So my contacts can kind of scale down. But when I started, I made over a hundred contacts a day. That's a hundred people I talk to every single day on the phone because I didn't have any money. So for me, I had to make these phone calls because I wasn't spending the money on Google Ads or Homewide or Zillow or some of these other sites that realtors were. So I did that, and it took my business. I sold forty-two houses my first year, and then eighty-eight, and then one hundred ninety-three, and every year since then, I've sold over two hundred fifty properties a year. By so yourself. I mean, this yeah, by myself. This is you. Yeah, I have two assistants um, that are on my back end that I credit for everything, but I'm the only real estate agent. Uh, They're they're just my assistants on the backside. But yeah, I mean, we'll sell over, this year it should be over 300 properties. I just looked this morning, we're 191 so far. Um, And we got another 40 something pending and and we still got the rest of the year to go. But uh, it all started with me just making phone calls and me asking questions and me building value and building rapport and then adding them to a database and then growing it from there. So I've only been in business in real estate. 2015 was my first year. Six years.
1: And and Mm -hmm. what do you think for, so I'm curious, why don't more realtors do, I'm sure you work with real estate agents who ask you that question, like, dude, how are you doing this? So what is the thing that prevents people from doing what you did? Or is it just, has that time passed? I don't think it has. It feels like it's no. fundamentals are fundamentals, like you said, but right. wh- why don't people do that? What's the reason that shiny
2: you? Shiny know? object syndrome. You know, there's a lot of shiny objects out there. So you can buy this lead or you can do this and get business. I, I think almost everything works. I mean, you could take out billboards all over town and you can get business from it. You can hold open houses. And shoot, man, you could stand in front of Walmart today and hand out business cards to everybody who walks in. And it could work. I think you might get some business for, uh, from it. But I, when I first started, Mike Ferry was a real estate coach that, that I really listened to and, and honed in on. And I went to a lot of Mike Ferry's events. And that's Mike Ferry's thing. You sit there, you sit on your butt, and you make telephone calls every single day. And you talk to enough people, and then you get the formulas in your head. So for me, it was one out of 20 people I talked to became a listing. So once I had that formula, I knew what I had to talk to. And then it's gotten out of the point. Now it's one out of three one out of three is my ratio now. Every three people I talk to today, I'm gonna get a listing from it. And every listing now is a sell almost. It's basically, it's 98 out of 100 in this current market. So then I can back in what my commission checks are from it. So I can really predict my vertical based on how many phone calls I make and the systems I've set up. And thankfully now I'm at a point where I get a lot of referral business or repeat business. So I mean, these are just little freebies that come in. I don't really count them towards my business, but I've built the entire thing just based off of me on the phones Monday through Friday with two headsets on either side, two phones in front of me, and I just make calls.
1: What What's the decision, uh, if there is one, or what's the next step? Do you build a team? Do you hire realtors? Do you uh, How do you What's the next phase for you? What do you envision?
2: Yeah, I mean, most most agents would say that I'm a fool for not doing that already, but uh, I, I really have my business really dialed in. This this year, I've spent more time analyzing deals hunting for businesses, doing my due diligence on big multifamily properties and commercial contracts. And like I said, we're looking at a couple of ancillary businesses tied to real estate. I feel like by far, that's been the biggest part of my year. And I'm still going to sell 300 plus properties this year. So I feel like I have it automated to a point now where where I really don't want to grow that end of it. I want to keep my vertical where it's at on that side and just let the vertical keep doing what it's doing. And, And I mean, hey, if I could get to the point at some point where I'm completely out of it and I'm just off repeat referral in my database business that's being generated, I think that'll do 125 to 150 deals a year without me picking up a phone. And that's a great vertical to have on the back end while I'm building, keep on building out my horizontal. So that's my plan. But uh, many people would say that I should build a team or build a company, but it's just not the route that I'm on.
1: You know, I, I like what you said before we started recording. You said, Hey, look, I'm I'm a simple guy. I'm not a complex guy or deep guy anyway. And I'm sure there's you know, that's not absolutely true, but to the point that you made, it's like, okay, this is simple. Call people, get on the phone with people, like do all of this work and build my database. And then, you know, touch that database on a weekly, monthly, daily basis or whatever it might be. Um, and now like, Hey, this works for me. I can kind of keep rolling. I don't need to build it any bigger. I don't need to be complex and deep on this. It's, it's simple and it works for me. Let me ask you this. What on, on you do a lot of calls a day. How do you, Do you have any tactics that, because I know a lot of people are in sales to get on and off the phone? Because I'm sure you can get pulled down, you know, a a two hour conversation if it, if it allowed you to, right? Like, how do you do that without feeling like you're, you know, kind of like transactional or cutting somebody off, like, you know, being overly, overly salesy, if you would, on that call?
2: Yeah, so I mean it just depends on the call, I guess. But I feel like you have complete as a salesman, you have complete power of the of the phone. So I mean, if somebody starts wandering down a hall, I always just say, listen, I really appreciate, I'll just cut them off in the middle of the conversation of, hey, that's really great information. I really appreciate your time today. I have somebody tapping me on the shoulder, so I gotta run. But before I get off this phone, kind of what what does your next three months look like in the real estate market? When should I follow back up with you? If numbers made sense right now, could we go ahead and move forward? Do you have any time next week for us to get together? I'll ask whatever question I need to ask to then get the answer and get off the phone. But I always default towards that. But I feel like you're, I'm always in, in ultimate control on a phone. I, that, that's where I feel, I guess, most comfortable. And uh, and yeah, I completely agree with you to that point. I, I feel like profitability is the most important thing. So for me, I, I wanted to build a model that I thought was extremely profitable. So so to me, the, the model that I've built and the one that I'm on right now, my profitability is so high that, that I can not imagine running my business any other way.
1: Love it. All right, well let's dive into the one sheet questions. Yeah. These are we're going to go pillar by pillar and I'm I I I think we're going to be blown away by the 30-year-old Kevin Mills and how much he's accomplished already in his life. We'll let's see. start with the horizontal income. Uh, pillar. What currently is your yearly horizontal income and how many lines of income is that?
2: Yeah. So I have 17 lines of income. I, I probably, I might count it a little bit differently than most. I count each individual property as a different line. Because once I thought about it, if I take the a line, now I have one less line. It's not that, that one line really went down because I'm, I'm adding money somewhere else. So I have 17 lines. I have 14 single family houses. I have two duplexes, a fourplex, and then I'm an LP in in another syndication deal. That's an ATM deal that another member here turned me onto. Mm -hmm. It's doing gross this year. I should do about 384,000. My net on it should be about $188,000.
1: Okay. Very cool. And what, uh, what percentage does that make you?
2: 5.7%.
1: 5.7% 5.7% is the percentage of horizontal income covering your expenses?
2: No, horizontal income as a percentage of my net worth. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, so where's net worth currently for you? Yeah, my net worth is just over 3.25 million. Got it, okay.
1: What, um, yeah. per, so, so your expenses in a year, you said your horizontal income is 188,000 essentially? Yep. Okay, so your expenses, are they higher or lower than that in a year?
2: They're lower right now. So I'm over 100% right now. By the way, do business, but that's not the way that I really want to live my life. Like I really want to live my life a little bit more lavishly than we're doing right now. I'm thankful that I have a great wife and a great family that's on the same vision as I am. So we live pretty modestly. We we do what we want to do. We have great vacations, and but uh, but we're pretty conservative. You know, we've been in the same house that uh, that we originally had. We don't spend a, a ton of money on depreciating assets. I've really sold my wife on this vision of hey, we're gonna buy appreciating assets. We're gonna buy cash flow positive assets. We're gonna buy real estate. We're going to buy. I just got into the self-storage business. We bought some self-storage facilities that I absolutely love. So she, she that, that excites us more than anything else. So my goal is to get my net worth passively to, to around $500,000 a year. And then I want to start living a little bit more lavishly.
1: So what's lavish? Give me an idea. What does
2: that mean? Yeah. So right now we live in a house that, that I paid $242,000 for. It was, a really good, it was a really good buy. It's worth probably around four hundred dollars right now. I yeah. want to live in a house on the waterway that's going to be closer to about $1.5 million. Uh, right now I have a boat that's a $30,000 boat that we love and we enjoy going out. I want a $450,000, $500,000 boat. Um, just things like that. A uh, Second home by the lake. There's a lot of things that I want. I, I'm so good at delaying gratification. And I think a lot of it's my job. I've mastered repetitious boredom. That's all I do every day is I sit on the phones and I have the same real estate conversations with the same people. Um, it's just a, a little bit variance in the conversation. So I've really learned how to delay that gratification on that. And so, so I'm excited about it once it finally comes. We still have a lot of fun. We still go all out when we go on vacations, but, uh, but I'm definitely excited to hit kind of my, my goals on this, work, this end to be able to celebrate those, those big wins a little bit more.
1: I love that, man. Thank you for getting into that. Cause I was, I I, I, I always like to know like, what's the vision? What's the dream? Million and a half dollar home on the lake and a a $400,000 boat. Very, very cool. What percentage of your net worth is currently in real estate? It sounds like most of it, but give me an idea of that versus maybe some other asset classes, how you break that down.
2: Yeah. It's 80% in real estate, but really if you take out that 80%, the other 20% is really, uh, it's cash. You know, so it's not in real estate. It's on the side waiting to go into real estate. But basically, all of my net worth is is in real estate or, or it's being held in cash. Again, I have an ATM investment deal that I got got in on, but that that's not real estate, I guess. It's like a, a private property, I guess, investment. Sure, sure. But, uh, but other than that, it's all real estate.
1: And that's with the GoBundance member you mentioned. That's something that you can yeah. do with the GoBundance guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had to go, but bring me that deal and it was a really good opportunity, but I'm lucky enough to be in the real estate industry. So I'm able to get deals that most people wouldn't be able to get. So a lot of the deal, none of the deals I bought have been on market. They've all been from people who were in my database or people I've talked to, or somebody who's brought them to me and they've had high motivation. So I mean, for me, if I can't buy it at 70% of market value, I won't buy it. So everything I bought has been 70% or below market value.
1: Wow. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I love, I love the kind of the theme of you, which is like you said, delayed gratification, uh, simple. You know, what would you say, boring repetition or whatever. Like, yeah. I, I love the themes that that uh, that present how you're building wealth so rapidly. Especially, it's just there's not a lot of secret. You're not doing anything crazy or or like you know, I invented this or I invented that. You're just steady, steady. Yep. That's the word, right? All right, let's jump over to age-defying health. What is your current body weight and body fat percentage?
2: Yeah, so this is the one that, that I'm really focused on this year. I started, so I played rugby in college, and, uh, and I've always been a, an athlete that was like a bigger position I was tied in back in, back in high school. But, I mean, I used to eat 10,000 to 12,000 calories a day back in college. So I graduated and I had kids and I kept eating 10,000 calories a day, but I didn't do any workouts. So I gained about 85 pounds that first year that I was married. And uh, really for the last year, I've been on a big goal. So I'm down, I'm at like 236 right now is my weight, which is still big. Um, I really want to be down to 215, but I started out this year at like 269. So I I'm down a good amount this year. So i am down like 30 pounds.
1: What do you attribute that to? What, what did you do differently? How did you How did you get thirty pounds down? It's huge.
2: Yeah, it, it was honestly, it was just a big mental shift for me. I mean, I used to eat breakfast, and then there was a meal before lunch, and then there was lunch, and then there was dinner, and then there was a meal after dinner. It was just the way that I've always eaten. I guess I burned so many calories as a kid. You know, I just. I just didn't grow up from it. It was just it was just the mentality from me. I always remember going back in college. I mean, we used to have a, a pizza hut right next to a Chick-fil-A at the University of South Carolina. And I'd go get two chicken sandwich meals and I'd get two pizzas and a breadsticks and we'd eat it in one sitting. I mean, it would just be obscene calories that we ate. And I just felt like I needed to, just a stupid justification. But now I'm just a little bit more serious about my health and we have kids now. So you have to realize we're living for them. We have to be more health conscious for them. So every day I'm at the gym at 4.20 in the morning. Thankfully, I have a really good accountability guy who meets me there every morning. So we work out Monday through Friday at the gym before 20.
1: What's the workout? Is it weights, cardio, mix of the two?
2: Yeah, it's like a hit exercise. So we'll do uh, we'll do like cardio, just short bursts. Like we'll, we might do like 0.5 miles at like an eight. And then we'll go do chest. And then between exercise, we'll hop back on the treadmill for like 0.25 sprints or like 0.45 sprints. So, uh, that's basically what it is. I just got a Peloton like three weeks ago. So, uh, I've been hitting that up. Me and my wife are doing Peloton exercises now, man. And that thing will burn you. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: love spinning. It's the only way I can eat pizza as much as I do. Spinning is an amazing (laughs) exercise. And I like the quotes from the, uh, from the instructors as well. What, um, what, uh, what about diet now? And if you touched on it, I apologize, but I don't know if I heard, like, what do you, do you Uh, have any sort of specifics in your diet that you're following right now? Yeah, I'm
2: doing intermittent fasting. Um, it's basically, I'm doing 12 to seven. I can eat. So 12 PM to 7 PM I can eat and all other times I can't, it doesn't really sound like that big of an area, but, uh, but it really has helped. You know, I think it's really shaved down a lot of my time. So for breakfast, I'm just drinking a lot of water. And then, uh, at lunchtime I'll have a good lunch. I'm trying to stay away from the carbs. My wife's gluten free. So, uh, she definitely helps me out a lot because she can't eat anything with gluten in it. So her cooking or anything, it's usually a little bit more healthy. So it's just trying to cut out the carbs, cut out the fried food.
1: Good for you. Good for you. Tough, tough, but good for you.
2: So we talked about your family, uh, uh, your wife,
1: uh, you've been married. It sounds like what, about nine years, eight, nine years at this yep. point?
2: Yeah. We have our uh, eighth anniversary in a month.
1: Yeah, and My wife and your wife connected in Asheville and she yeah, still yeah, chatting to this. Highly day. Ever. Yeah. Same, yeah. same. My wife, my wife loves yours. So kids, how old are your kids now? And uh, what are they into? What's, what's, what's big on the family list of things to do with the kids?
2: Yeah. I got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old about to be eight and six in two months. And uh, they're really big into soccer right now. Um, they, they're just now starting the whole soccer. My mom's a, or my wife's a soccer mom now. She's posting about it every day. They're doing like private lessons, which is really cool to watch them develop. There, uh, my oldest is really into art. My youngest is really into gymnastics and, and sports. So they're, they're kind of two different directions. But uh, we got super blessed, man. We we have the the best behaved kids I could ever ask for. I mean, they're the sweetest girls in the world. Thankfully, they still run to me and give me a huge hug when I get home. They still want to cuddle up next to me, and the oldest one uh, has a phone that she could just text me and her mom off of. And I would say every day she sends me 30 texts just saying I love you and heart emojis and this and that. So I really got blessed with that, man.
1: Very cool. Very cool. That's yeah, amazing. Blessed. How about life happiness? What's your life happiness index currently? And I'm at what area are you working on most?
2: Yeah, I'm at 8.55. So I'm pretty happy. I'm really happy, actually. So, uh, so for me, I, I just always try to, I, I have grateful exercises that I do almost hourly just to remind myself of, of how grateful and how blessed I am. So, so that's really helping me out a lot, a lot of like Abraham Hicks. I don't know if you've heard of Abraham. Oh my, I've
1: gone to see her live. Yes. Oh like yeah. Him thing it live. Whatever. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it definitely goes down a rabbit hole that I don't go down, but the principles of it, I absolutely love. And some of the things she says blows my mind. It has me thinking for a day on her, like her quotes.
1: Dude, we went to Chicago to see her. And, and yes. I said that to my wife. I'm like, I wish the like the theater, it was just my, maybe me, my sure. baby, but like, I wish the theater, like the whole snapping into this thing or whatever. Yeah, so, dude. You're, it's amazing value that she puts out through whatever sure. she's channeling. So I don't, yeah. I, I don't. The alter ego thing, I get a little bit lost in like, you know, the name of source or whatever, but her message is unbelievable. Yeah. And to your point, I got a ton out of it. I just struggled a little bit yeah. with the, and and uh, as, a, as an aside, my wife, my wife met her in the bathroom and oh, it wow. wasn't a great experience, but really? she actually took yeah. it to stage and explained away the way she behaved to my yeah. wife and another woman that she bumped into in the bathroom. So wow. sorry for another day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, for sure. For sure. But no, I, I completely agree with you on that And
1: Yeah, that's funny. That's funny that she that she it came up. So
2: yeah, and a lot of Tony Robbins things. So so I'm big on uh, on doing his meditation every morning. I try to do it at least three to five days a week. Um, what he does to kind of meditate and start his day. I'm priming, and- uh, priming. Yeah, priming. Yeah. I do it every single day, just a quick one, like a five minute. And uh, man, it does make a huge difference in my mind.
1: Yep. Same here. And you're up at 420. So you're, you're rolling. Uh,
2: how about giving up at 350, 350. anyone I'm contribution? What is,
1: Oh, I'm sorry. What is your, what is your yeah. target? Do you have a target that you give back percentage wise or dollars or yeah. yeah. time or anything like that?
2: Last year was horrible, man. And I felt super bad about it. I still feel super bad about how bad I did last year, just with COVID and everything going. I had a lot of uncertainties. And, and I guess I just channeled that to not giving back as much as I should have. I'm so lucky that I have a wife. So my wife doesn't work. She's a full-time mom, which is a job that I couldn't do. And I think that's a beyond a full-time job is, is being a stay-at-home mom and, and and stay-at-home wife. She does so much for us. But thankfully, she has a heart of gold. So hers is all giving back. So I can really go through a lot with her. She does like a backpack program at the high school middle schools where like kids that can't afford like first day of school supplies and 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 uh like shirts and pants and jackets she actually is over that for like the middle school so she's done a lot with that that's been just a huge contribution to me we'll meet the kids at target and i'll bring some friends and we'll buy a lot of stuff for them and that's that's super cool to do so i mean that's probably the biggest thing that we do to give back that i really love doing we tie to the church not as much as we should i really feel like doing things like that my brother is a pastor he doesn't he doesn't do that well financially but spiritually man he is at the top of the world so for him like we're paying for his son's preschool and daycare i count that as like a contribution and a giving back that really means a lot to me so for me i'm just trying to find other ways to give back where where mentally i can kind of see where it's going and i feel like we're making an impact instead of just throwing money at stuff so thankfully my wife with what she's doing with kids and why i'm doing my brother and other things that we have going on is that that's where i like to throw the money but it wasn't as much as i thought i think last year it was Like 2.8% is what I gave. So this year I'm, I'm trying to be a lot closer to 10%.
1: I love it, man. That's great. I do think that more guys need to give themselves credit for those interfamilial give backs like the the preschool and and daycare and and that sort of thing. I mean awesome. you know yeah. your, your parents, I'm sure, I don't know, it sounds to me maybe I'm, maybe I'm assuming your parents living locally now, I'm sure there's some some assistance you're providing there as far as them being there. you know what I mean like so within the family, you know the amount that you yeah, get back sure. the time that you get back is big, so take more credit. Yeah. take more credit. Let's jump over to accountability. So you, we were talking a little bit, you have a GoPod that's sort of transitioning to a new GoPod. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like what's the, what's the GoPod transition plan for you? And what are you, what are you getting out of that?
2: Yeah, so uh, so I'm in a great group pod right now. A bunch of really good guys. I have Matt, Matt is in it, who, who does a lot of farming and crop dusting. Uh, Adam Jason, who is the, our coffee guy at Atlanta. I know I saw you there at Atlanta. You were, you were doing that pie, Pat Hyman sheet with us by the pool that one day. and yes. We kind of connected. And I have uh, Ludwig, who's up in uh, New York. So everybody's in kind of a different industry and, and kind of doing different things. So it's really good for us to connect. And really, the biggest thing we talk about is how can we be better husbands? And better fathers. That's probably the, the bulk of our conversations is uh, is what, how do we how do we show our wives that we really cared about them this week, and how do we show our kids. Um, that we really care about them and, and how do we best support our wives and children. That's one thing that's kind of been a, a, a big conversation for us. And, uh, and we bring up business and where we're at. And if we have any challenges, obviously we go back and forth with them. But one great thing about our pod is uh, we're not trying to sell each other on each other's ideas or anything. We're just trying to be better men and better husbands and, and better family guys. So our conversations get pretty deep. Yeah.
1: No, well, to your point, I've, I've said this to people that are thinking about like abundance, like the financial aspect. Like I get that there's a minimum net worth. So it feels like there's a big focus there, but to your point, somebody brings you an ATM deal. Cool. Yeah. Let's roll with it. But I'm more interested in the man I'm trying to be right. The husband, sure. the father, that those aspects of it. So I think that's really, really well said. I appreciate you sharing that. Let's talk about, uh, uh, go abundance trips. You were in Atlanta. I think you were in Tahoe as well. What do yeah. you take away from those, those, those meetings, those, those trips? What's the, uh,
2: why do you do them? <laughs> what do you get yeah. out of them? Yeah. So I've only done the champions event. So I've yet to go to like a, a go abundance event. Steamboat will be the first one and I'm going to be there for a while. I'm doing the fan abundance. I'm doing the champions and I'm doing the regular event. So we're going to be in Steamboat for a while. So I'm starting to get my family involved. For me, it's just surrounding myself with like minded men. I mean, for I, I feel like there came a point where in life where everybody's rooting for you to do well. And then you hit a certain point where people don't want you to do that much better than, than right here. And it's usually like where they are, where they aspire to be. And then you start getting resented as you go past that. And for me, it was really probably the the million mark or the two million mark or income-wise vertical income. I, I've, I've been doing over this year should be somewhere close to about 1.6, 1.65. I've been over a million dollars the past few years on vertical. And you start getting a little blowback from people you surround yourself with. So for me, I wanted to be around guys who celebrated that because I've always I've always celebrated people who did really well. So I started kind of getting some pushback or some kind of snarky remarks from groups that I was part of. now I really wanted to be part of guys that that celebrated that, but also wanted to push higher. So for me, it's not hitting 5 million or 10 million or 25 million. I want to get to 75. I want to get to a hundred million dollars. So I know money's not everything, but they are goals of mine hitting those net worths. So, uh, so for me, I just wanted to be surrounded myself with people who were trying to get on the same path that I am. And uh, thankfully I found Go Abundance, and, and I've met guys that want to be better fathers too and better husbands and better business people along the way, but also built some great relationships. John White and I just got back from Kiowa Island where both of us took our family and our kids down there. And man, we had an awesome time. And I don't think we talked about business. We didn't, we didn't talk about business one time. We just let the kids be kids and we just shared similar values. So it was just such a great time.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, he's an the incredible guy. Husband. Incredible guy. So that's awesome. Yeah. How about your past three greatest hits? What are your past three greatest hits that you uh, consider?
2: Yeah, uh, in February this year, we took our kids to St. John, and we went out uh, on a two-day snorkeling trip. We, we basically ran like, a, a private little mini yacht, uh, a little catamaran that took us all around the Virgin Islands. So we went snorkeling with the kids, and, and that's definitely one of them. You're talking about vacations, right? Anything. Anything that you yeah. want to talk about. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Three biggest hits. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that as one. Um, so that was really cool. So we went snorkeling with them. It was great to see the kids jump off the boat. We saw a bunch of eagle rays. We saw some sharks. We saw some dolphins. So it was cool kind of getting them in the water down there. And we're boat people. We love to be on a boat. So that was probably one of them. Um, two years ago, we sat courtside at a bunch of NBA games, which is really cool. I got to see some of my favorite athletes up close. and I've always wanted to experience that, which is good. And greatest uh, Greatest hits. not last year, but the year before that, I was the number one agent in the world with Century 21 for a number of properties sold. And that was a huge goal of mine when I first got started in the industry. So that was a pretty big hit for me. But basically what I learned from that is um it, it's great to be in some circles that are there but you really don't get anything for being at the top you know it's really about what you make and in the circles you run yourself with for me i, I thought that something magical was going to happen when i hit that number and i really worked myself to death to get it um i remember watching the sheets every day to see make sure that nobody was kind of getting close or i'd have to work harder or work weekends or missed events but really what i took away from that after kind of the dust settled from it it's all about who you become kind of on the journey and not the destination and i didn't like who i was becoming on that that journey. So this year I'm, I'm set to do even better than I did that year, but I'm having a lot more fun on my journey. So Absolutely. I'd say that was a big hit from what I learned from it and not not really the accomplishment.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. That's, I mean, the, the, again, being only 30 years old now, that, that's a ton of wisdom for you to extract and and, and understand at your age, especially a hundred million dollars in net worth. It feels like it's inevitable, right? Yeah. Cause because you're, you're around the right yeah. people, you're extracting wisdom from everything that you do and you're thoughtful about what the next step is for you. So really cool, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Let's wrap this up with a random question from the GoBundance card game. And I say random. I did look a little bit and tried to find one that I thought was interesting. So Ace of Hearts is the question and it is the card. And the question is, who would you (laughs) like this question? Who would you call if you had to dispose of a body?
2: Who would I call my friend Reese Grant from college and he would do it in a heartbeat. It's so fun, man. That is, that is such a funny card Um, because I I always tell my friends I'm that guy. If you called me at two o'clock in the morning and I, I heard my phone and I answered, if you told me, yo, be outside with a shovel in two minutes, I would do it with no questions asked for my friends. So I always think I'm loyal. I'm super loyal to my friends and, and kind of the guys that are in my tribe, which is why I gravitate towards abundance so well. And it's where it's kind of that sports connections, like my rugby friends in, in college, we were that tight. And, and back in high school, my, my sports friends. So uh, now I'll I feel like I have a bunch of guys that I do the same with, but I, I feel like there's, I, I probably got 15 names on that list that I think I could call and they'd be outside with a shovel just ready for me, which is which is pretty funny. Well,
1: hopefully you never have to go through
2: that but uh, do you have
1: somebody that came to your mind i don't think so oh that i would that would dispose of a body uh yeah, yeah my buddy my buddy brett out in california he's a yeah. former he's a corrections officer and uh, he's always been just enough crazy to, to to do that stuff and we've always to your point we've known each other for 30 years now and we've always got each other's back and uh yeah uh, that would be my, that would be the guy I, the the guy I think of to call. Yeah.
2: yeah. I always share a story with my friends that, that if I called a bunch of my friends here locally, I told them, Hey man, I need you to come over with a shovel and we need to dig a ditch next to my house because I I need the water to go away from my house and we got to get this drainage, right. All my friends would say, dude, can't we you just hire somebody to do that? Or like, man, I am not getting out there. Can we just pay somebody to do it? Like yeah. I'm down to help you out if you need payment, they wouldn't come over and do it. But if I called them up and I said, Hey man, there's a village down in Guatemala. And they need us to fly down there and we have to dig a trench and we got to dig a 10 foot wide trench so these kids can get fresh water. Every single one of them will be on a plane the next day. And I'm thankful to have a relationship like that where, where when, when things matter, or when it comes down to it and they serve a purpose, I have a good group of guys and it just continues to grow with the more, more guys that I meet, especially in this crew that I could call up and, and we, we can change some lives together.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I love that's really well said and a great way to end this. How can people learn more about you? Maybe contact you, whatever you want to put out there, social media handles, whatever it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I'm really not on social media. Again, I'm, I'm super simple. So, I, I consume a little bit on social media, but I haven't posted anything, I think, since 2018 on social media. So, I mean, the best way, my email is team at gmail.com. It's the best one to get a hold of me on. Uh, if you're in GoBundance, you have my cell phone number because it's on the uh, it's on the GoBro Connect page. So, feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to give back however I can on this side and uh, and would love to be a resource.
1: Absolutely. Man, I appreciate you being on. Thanks so much. Good connecting with you again. Great yeah. seeing you recently in the land and I'll see you in Steamboat. Yeah. So good to, good Sounds to good, to man. See you Talk soon. All right. All right. Thank you. Yeah, man. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a
3: $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping.
0: That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Go GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, Go GoBundance Champions, 5 million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.